Hello, and welcome back to another edition of YCT Matters. Today, we are so delighted to be joined by Eric Getty. And Eric is a new and very welcome addition to State House Associates LLC, which is, of course, the firm where Andy Markowski, uh, Yankee Institute's trusted legislative counselor and advisor, uh, works. And Eric is joining him as a new lobbyist. Eric Getty has been the vice president of public policy at CBIA, and he is joining State House Associates after having served at CBIA for the past 11 years. At CBIA, Eric has been at the forefront of nearly every major legislative issue affecting our state and its business community, and that includes labor mandates, tax and fiscal policy, energy, health care, and unemployment compensation, among other issues. Before that, Eric was an associate legislative attorney with the Legislative Commissioner's Office, and that's the nonpartisan legal office of the Connecticut General Assembly. He is a graduate of UConn, and he has his JD from UConn School of Law. So we are delighted, Eric, because I have enjoyed uh, having the benefit of your insights when you were at CBIA. And we're thrilled that you are now working with our trusted counselor and advisor, Andy Markowski, and uh, will benefit from your expertise in this way. Welcome to YCT Matters. Well, thank you so much, Carol. And it, yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to speak with you today and really looking forward to this uh, this next part of my uh, my career uh, working with Andy. Some, as you said, someone I've worked with for a really long time now on issues, and it's great to uh, to be in a partnership with him going forward. Yep, it's going to be great. So, you know, you do have, uh, you bring a lot of expertise to the table on a wide variety of issues, especially having to do with, um, you know, Connecticut and its economy and things like that. And so, you know, we're setting the table for 2024 legislative sessions coming up next month. Um, But I thought maybe we would start just, you know, generally talking about the Connecticut economy and where you see it heading this year. I mean, no one really knows with the national economy what's going to happen. We've got a presidential election year coming up and everything. But, you know, take out your crystal ball, knowing we're not going to hold you to it. Um, (laughs) But when you think about Connecticut's economy, what do you see uh, coming down the pike at us this year? You know, uh, th- that that's a great question. And, and, and frankly, you know, I, I've I've never been more positive about the direction of Connecticut uh, than uh, I am in the over the past few years. You know, uh, our, our legislature um, has made uh, some really positive uh, steps working in a bipartisan way. Um, doing things like passing our fiscal guardrails back in 2018 and then extending them this year for, you know, additional five years, maybe even 10 years. Um, we've started to really accept the fact that there are uh, some significant challenges in the state, uh, things like cost of living and uh, started to address those in, in, in you know, in, in one at a time, um, you know, whether it's through the income tax cut or increasing earned income tax uh, credit. 
you know, and we've got a great group of bipartisan lawmakers, both sides of the aisle that are working together to really um, stop bad things from happening that would hold back our state and, and, and tackle the challenges. So, um, you know, just in, especially in the past couple of, uh, of you know, terms, uh, you know, I, I just think that Connecticut's got really good days ahead of it as long as things continue on in this direction. Yeah. So it's really uh, a matter of, of sort of continuing on this trajectory and not getting pulled off by doing things like eliminating the fiscal guardrails. That's right. I think those are, I mean, those are without question, uh, you know, we're, we're what got us through the pandemic in a relatively good fiscal shape compared to so many other states. Um, it's resulted in nearly $7.7 billion of surpluses that have helped uh, to tackle some of the long-term liabilities in the state. I mean, I don't. I, I think that's why, and in, in, I'm really glad to see this. That uh, the extension of those guardrails was one of the first things that passed the last legislative session, and uh, did so, I, I believe, uh, uh, almost unanimously. So. Um, I, you know, I just think that uh, we are starting to realize there are uh, some challenges. We're tackling those challenges, maybe one at a time, maybe not quick enough for many people. But um, I, I do think that, uh, again, things are, are looking good for Connecticut in the future. And, you know, just for some of our listeners who may not be uh, completely au courant on, on some of our terminology, do you mind explaining what the fiscal guardrails are, Eric? Sure. There were some of the uh, caps that we put in place on both spending, borrowing, uh, bonding, um, all are contractually based. But really what it does is it makes sure that we won't spend too much, we don't borrow too much, and that we continue to uh, use surplus funds, uh, some of the more volatile uh, revenue streams in Connecticut, um, keeping those aside in a rainy day fund. And then when that rainy day fund reaches the cap that we've put on it, uh, we can start using those to pay down some of the the, the state's long-term liabilities. And, and that's really what we've been doing for the past few years. And as I said, it's been about $7.7 billion in surpluses uh, that have helped us uh, uh, pay down some of those, those, those long-term issues. Right. And, and, you know, it's those sorts of things that start getting us on a more stable footing. Yankee Institute was proud to be a part of putting those guardrails in place. And we just have to make sure we continue to uh, have responsible legislators who understand the importance uh, of addressing the things like our pensions, like all the different things that make long-term growth possible and sustainable. That's right. So looking forward, um, you know, we have a, a legislative session coming up, Eric, and you know, uh, probably the the governor is going to bring uh, back this uh, this idea about the um, the electric cars and um, making it difficult to obtain anything but electric cars after a date certain in the state. But aside from that, what other issues do you see? You know, we've addressed the uh, fiscal guardrails for a while, but there will be other issues front and center. And and what do you see coming forward? What should be, we be looking for this year? Well, I think in terms of really big issues, you 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 mentioned probably what is going to be in in, in my guess uh, would be the biggest issue of the entire session: this electric vehicle uh, emission standards um, and what Connecticut decides to ultimately do with that. You know, we 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 were attempting to. Um, put some mandates in uh, via regulation. Uh, those were withdrawn. Um, and it seems like uh, some of the caucuses are taking a temperature amongst their membership to see whether they have the votes to do things uh, legislatively. 
Um, beyond that, you know, I think the governor has come out uh, relatively recently and said that, um, you know, while there was pretty significant uh, personal income tax relief this past session, uh, there's not as much appetite uh, for additional tax relief for businesses. And uh, I can tell you that I know for a fact there are some uh, advocacy groups out there that are seeking um, some tax relief for businesses. And frankly, they should be because uh, Connecticut is one of the most expensive states to do business. And you know, it's also one of the most expensive states to live. So while we are tackling the living aspect of it, um, we got to do more for the business community when it comes to uh, tax relief. Well, because the business community was w- one of the groups that really left empty-handed in the last session. Uh, and and I mean, especially our small businesses, they are really still struggling. Well, there's no question about that. They're, they're struggling in a, a number of ways. And, and I think what, what I certainly would love to see happening in the next session is dealing with what has now become uh, the biggest issue for the business community, which is finding workers. And, and Connecticut's not alone in, in, in that um, in that struggle. You know, we have got 89,000 job openings in this state, um, while at the same time, we have 37,000 fewer workers uh, in the workforce. So uh, we've got to figure out a way to attract more people to the state of Connecticut to fill some of these jobs. And and again, we're not alone in this, but um, we have such a great standard of living in the state. We have so many great paying jobs. Um, we should have such an advantage when it comes to attracting people here. But again, until we do a little bit more, I think, to uh, a, a, a tackle uh, that that cost of living and, and do more to ta- uh, tackle that cost of doing business, no, I think we're going to be uh, seeing this as a struggle for a little a little time forward. And, you know, that's interesting because in some ways, the same way all roads lead to Rome, uh, a lot of that does come back, I think, to the cost of, of energy and the cost of gas. I mean, which is energy, obviously, but the cost of gas and then this whole electric car business, because as we've talked about often on this podcast, you know, when energy is expensive. And when gas, when it becomes very expensive, we have obviously one of the highest energy taxes, gas taxes in the country. And that really does more than almost anything else to just generally boost the cost of living because everything you buy ends up having that cost. Anything that's transported over the road, anything that's brought here uh, becomes more expensive when gas is expensive when transportation costs are expensive and that's what we have here oh there's you know, there's no doubt and then you add on top of that just uh you know uh inflationary issues that are are yeah. happening uh, all across the country i mean it it can be a struggle for people it's it's a tough place to uh to sometimes to uh, to make uh, to have a good standard of living, but you know, again, um, it, it's never going to be the cheapest place, but we can make it the best place uh, to live. And um, I certainly would hope that uh, they start tackling some of those issues, so uh, that becomes a little bit less of a deterrence for people to come to Connecticut. Yes, I agree, and I, I just, uh, I would love to see them look at the energy issues with a slightly more practical eye, and um, to start understanding that. You know, it's really important to to look at all sides of this and to understand that, you know, um, to really look at whether some of these measures, doing a cost-benefit analysis. I mean, that's what really, um, you know, when you look at, at the benefit 
whatever environmental benefit they're trying to gain versus the kind of impact it has on people. I mean, you know, this is something I think that is very difficult to create any kind of meaningful impact by imposing a lot of regulations or a lot of laws on the state level. And what you really end up doing more than anything is creating a huge burden and a huge competitive disadvantage for your state without having actually done anything to have a meaningful impact on the environment of the entire world, especially when you have places like China building six coal plants a week. And, you know, that's what I hope people will be a little bit more responsible about um, looking at in in that sort of larger context. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think that sort of gets at uh, one of the key flaws of the legislative process. And again, this is not just a Connecticut unique a thing unique to Connecticut. It's no. It's just you know when when we have fiscal notes on bills, you know, in every bill that makes it out of a committee and goes to the floor of either the the House or or the Senate in Connecticut. They have a nonpartisan office that does a fiscal analysis on it. And what they're looking at is just the cost to either the states or our municipalities. And um, it's unfortunate we just don't have uh, any ability at that time in the process to actually determine what the cost would be to the business community or really to uh, the citizens of Connecticut. Um, and, you know, there's just simply not the expertise built into the process to, to make those type of um, those type of uh, analyses. But, um, you know, I, I think that something like that, um, it, you know, earlier in the process uh, that doesn't rely solely on uh, the population of Connecticut or the business community to provide those things uh, on its own. Um, I think that would be helpful. But again, that's just, you know, that's that would be a, a massive new uh, part of state government. And, yeah, right. Which just, is a problem uh, in and of itself. Right. Yeah. Probably uh, not worth um, the benefits sometimes. And so as we get ready to wind up here, you know, um, we're, it's obviously it's uh, it's um, a shorter session. But, you know, along with uh, this this whole issue about the electric cars, do you see anything else uh, coming that we should be particularly aware of, Eric? Yeah, you know, I you just at this time of year, you you watch the headlines. It gives you a pretty good indication of, of what's to come. You know, I, just before the holidays, I know the governor talked about wanting to do more when it came to broadband access uh, for some of the communities across the state. Um, there have been uh, co many conversations about uh, doing even more than last year on housing. I know uh, some of the mm -hmm. uh, more significant provisions of some of the bills that were out there uh, did not make it across the finish line, but uh, progress was made. And, uh, you know, I know everyone wants to continue on that and provide more uh, housing opportunities uh, to attract that workforce into the state of Connecticut. Uh, and then we're seeing things, um, you know, uh, like related to um, municipalities uh, having the opportunity to ban the sale of certain uh, alcoholic beverages for environmental reasons. Um, so we're seeing that, um, you know, and also I would love to see what the fallout of some of what happened in the past few years is going to happen. I mean, just the uh, environmental impact of uh, the redemption of uh, recyclable cans going from five cents to 10 cents, that's going to see a huge boost 
um, or huge benefit uh, environmentally for the state of Connecticut, but uh, it's going to also have some significant challenges for citizens trying to redeem uh, those bottles in bottle rooms at their grocery stores across the state. So, um, you know, again, I think more is going to have, have to be done there to uh, create solutions for uh, some of the solutions we've already put into law. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. And we are certainly uh, grateful that State House Associates will have the benefit of your additional expertise. Um, you know, Andy Markowski is is just an important part of the Yankee Institute team, and it's wonderful that you will be at State House as well. And we look forward to hearing more from you as the session begins and progresses. So, Eric Getty, we are appreciative of your time and wishing you all the best going forward in 2024 and beyond. Oh, it was a pleasure, Carol. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. You bet. And uh, thanks to all of you. We look forward to having you with us uh, on another edition of YCT Matters. This is Carol Platt-Lebow, president of Yankee Institute, and we'll be talking with you again next time. I'll show you around this place I go.